0: Morning, with all the events that we've had going on, um, I try to keep my promises. I'm not guaranteeing it, um, but we're in the Book of Romans again this morning. Um, this is message number six. Um, I I started to entitle it "God Tears Down Our Playhouses," but I'll leave it at "God Will Judge You and Me." God will judge you and me. Michael last week was in the first uh, 10 or 11 verses of the book of Romans chapter 2. And uh, I will go back to two of those verses because it's actually the the message that is in chapter 12 through 16 um, where we'll touch this morning. But the theme of Romans chapter 2, if you look at it very much... It's God will judge self-righteous and religious people. God will judge self-righteous and religious people. Religious people and self-righteous people, the so-called good people, need to know that they need a Savior also. How many times... Have you heard someone say after someone in their family or someone they knew passed away, he or she, you'll hear this statement, prelude that, that death, they were a good person. They were a good person. And sometimes that statement is asserting based on they are a good person They merited heaven. Paul here in chapter 2 takes that theology away from us and inserts the fact that they need a Savior also. He uses three principles, and like I said, I'm going to be very quick this morning. I'll talk fast, and you listen fast, because this will go by quickly He uses three simple principles here to show us how God judges sin or maybe better said God's decision, how God's decision, you know, how he made that decision that we need a Savior even as self-righteous, good people, or religious people. I'm going to go back into Michael's text of last week and look for principle number one. And it's found in verse 2 of of that text. And and it shows us God judges according to truth. God doesn't look at us upon our standards. They're a good person. That's not the standard that God looks at us through. He judges us according to truth. Chapter 2, verse 2, he says, But we know that the judgment of God... Is according to truth against those who practice such things. I'm not going to go back and read what practice such things are, but it's all that list of sin that was discussed in chapter 1 and in the beginning of chapter 2. So God judges us according to truth. Church members, and if you're a church member, I'm not being critical, I, I, that's our desire is everybody becomes a member of a church, if not here somewhere where you can be happy. But church members who live in a make-believe world would um, would or do not want to hear the truth of the gospel because they want to hold the merit of salvation based on their good works or they're a good person. They don't want to hear the truth that the gospel is needed in their life. The belief of Christ died, was buried and raised again for them in order to go to heaven. We, you know, all people, all people, and that's a big statement when you think about all people, the human race worldwide, have an inherent knowledge the judgment of God is coming On their life, Um, and and we we read that last week that God will perform judgment with, you know, of without partiality or prejudice. So it's not just we have an inherent nature, according to the Scripture, that you know there's a judgment of God is coming. It's also without race, color, or creed. And God is not prejudiced, nor is he partial. All people. Get that. Big circumference. All people. Worldwide. I don't care what the nationality, what the color, what the race. All people have this inherent knowledge. And self-righteous people either do one of two things, as do religious. They dread the judgment of God that is coming. Or they deny it. And yet, Paul is not teaching in this scripture that salvation is by character or good deeds. It is not by character or good deeds. God's judgment is according to truth of the word of God. That is why it is important. Just like the dedication of this child, that is important for man to realize that the book that I hold in my hand is God's infallible, it is God's inerrant word, and it is absolute truth. I don't care what science says to deny it. I don't care what the medical field says to deny it. I don't care what religious people or pastors or preachers try to deny that this is truth. Archaeology tries to deny that this is truth and yet it is the inerrant infallible word of God and it's under attack today in our country obviously and yet it's what God will judge us by is his word, the truth. So we see the first principle God will judge sin. And judge people by truth. The second great principle that God judges is according to man's deeds. Romans 2 chapter 6 says the judgment of God who will render to each one. Each one of these all people will be rendered according to his deeds. This is explaining another basic principle that God judges us according to our deeds, just as He judges us according to truth. It's where that goodness, which we know that all man's righteousness is as filthy rags. So to say that we're a good people, merit heaven, and we won't be judged by our deeds is not truth according to the Word of God. All men are sinners. Not because we sin, but because we inherited it. And we'll see that in the weeks to come through the scripture. So he judges us according to truth and our sin is exposed in all men. And and when you look, Paul was dealing with the consistent actions of a person's life. And and I want to, you know, the total impact of one's character and conduct. And I, I want to give an example. We, we, we sometimes find this, you know, confusing. David, Prince David, King David, committed some terrible sins in his life. I mean, you just go through and look at, and, and there's a laundry list of things that David committed. And yet... You know, when you look at that, the total emphasis emphasis of his life was one of obedience. Thus, two times in the scripture, you find that the Bible states that David was a man after God's own heart. So because he was a sinner by nature does not mean... That the total emphasis of his life and character was not one of obedience. And we can be the same way. We're all going to have sin in our life because we're not perfect this side of heaven. That's why self-righteousness is is being exposed here. Religion is being exposed here. That teaches that we live do-gooders. I'm a good person. Is being exposed. We all We all sin, but the consistent character of your life and your conduct is what what God looks at, a man after God's own heart, in David's instance. You can go and look at Judas. Most of us know the story of Judas. Judas, however, confessed his sin and supplied the money for buying a cemetery for strangers. He had a good deed. And yet, the total emphasis that we find in the scripture of Judas' life was one of disobedience and unbelief. So acts, acts, of, and deeds of our good nature or bad, it's the, not that what makes the determining factor, it's the consistency of your entire life. I don't know of one person that could say to me, I've never sinned with a straight face and honesty. So if God is judging us according to the truth of the word of God, and he is judging us according to our deeds, the, the fact that. You know, you you look and and when you see that, he measured also the deeds of the Jews who were rigorously, uh, I mean, they were obsessed to obey the law. And yet, he found them to be wicked as much as Gentiles, us Gentiles. And please keep in mind that what is written for back then still applies to us today. And when you look at it from that, you know, from the fact that they honored the Sabbath or they kept aspects of the law, uh, he found them guilty. And they, (laughs) he did not change the fact that their consistent daily life was one of disobedience toward God and that they need a Savior. And when you look at us today, we can have deeds That are good. We can have aspects of our life where we can say, well, that was a good thing somebody did. But that's not how we'll be judged according to our deeds. We're going to be judged, as we'll see later on in this passage, according to the gospel and need of a Savior. The third aspect and the third principle that God judges is according to the secrets of men. Now, this is where it gets interesting, and to be quite honest with you, it becomes prickly to us. God judges us according to the secrets of men. We find this in our text today. And, and God did not give the law. First of all, realize that the law of Moses, you go back in the Old Testament, it was not given to Gentiles. It's not us. It's not what we're going to be judged by. And so they would, you know, they would not be judged, Gentiles, us, would not be judged by the law. Actually, in this passage, you'll find that the Gentiles had the works of the law written on their hearts. Let's read Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. See if we can dissect this a little bit and then we'll close. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. That pretty much speaks for itself. The law wasn't written for us. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. Talking about the difference between Jews and Gentiles. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law by nature, do the things in the law, these also, not having the law, and this uh, all tongue twist, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in. In their hearts. What's he saying? He clarifies. Their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. He's talking about our conscience. We have the works of the law written on our heart because it's in our conscience. It's taught to us. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men, not by the law, not by our deeds, not by our truth, but will judge them, what? According to my gospel. Wherever you go, you go anywhere around the world, and you will find people with an inner sense of right and wrong. That's what Paul said here, our conscience. Just... You don't have to teach your kids to to lie, cheat, and steal. Why? Because it's their nature. I've had mine stand and watch them, and they know I'm watching them, and I say, why did you do I didn't do that. That's their nature. And yet they know it's wrong because of their conscience. You don't have to teach Billy or or... You don't have to teach Grady not to... Bite someone, he knows that's wrong when he does it. They know that. They understand that. Because it's in their conscience what's right and what's wrong. And that's what Paul is saying here. So whenever you find in all, all everywhere, you find people with an inner sense of right and wrong, an inner judge, so to speak, our conscience. And you will find among all, all cultures this sense of sin a fear of judgment but there's also an attempt to atone for sin and appease whatever god's little g whatever god's they fear that's why all these different different religions they're trying to appease their conscience for and judgment for what they know to be sin. And so they they come up with all this, this atonement for sin. All these differing things. And yet God here not only found the Jews guilty. Who had the law but Gentiles also. All throughout the world. And when you look at it from that perspective. He judges according to truth. Number one, he judges according to our deeds. Number two, and he judges according to the secrets of the heart. Now, here's what's interesting. God and God alone sees in a man's heart. We can try to stand in judgment, say, well, you know, they did that, and that, that's awful what they did. And we want to think that we can judge and see in the heart of people, and yet we can't. God sees your heart. When he's looking at it from a perspective of truth, when he's looking at you from a perspective of your deeds... He knows your heart. And you know what he says about your heart? It's deceitfully wicked. Wow. With that, Hebrews 4.12 clarifies that. It says, he knows the thoughts and intent. Not just your thoughts. He knows what your intent of what you did was. People that hurt other folks with gossip, with words. Somebody said that God put your tongue in a bath of water because it's coming from hell fire. and, And in fact, that scripture, ask James, go read it yourself in the first chapter. God knows your heart. He knows your intentions. Well, I was just telling the truth, speaking fact. Sometimes better to off leave things unsaid and undone. Because your intentions are not right. So God knows, He teaches us in Psalms 139 that God is omnipresent. When we're talking about your actions, your deeds, your character, looking according to truth, the secrets of your heart, God is omnipresent. What's that big word mean? He's everywhere. He goes on to say, where can I hide from the Lord? And he answers his own question, nowhere. When you look at the, the majesty of God, and realize that we can't hide nothing from him. We're fooling ourselves in thinking that, well, he didn't see that. Because not only is God everywhere, he also is omniscient. He knows everything. (laughs) I'm glad my parents wasn't that way. I only remember, I I never remember living in the same house with my dad, but when I got my driver's license, I never went back home. I I never, once I got my license, I I never lived at home. that was many, many years ago, and I'm not advocating this or trying to glorify what I did and say it's right, I just didn't go back home. I was somewhat a little bit rebellious. And my dad called one time, and he uh, he said, I want to talk to you. And I'd never lived in the same house with my dad. I, I don't even, I, I, I don't remember any discipline, him ever giving me any instruction and in the right things to do. Or, you know, he was, had remarried, and, had, and he had this, you parked at the, kind of at the foot of a grade, here there's four or five parking spots. You walked up a sidewalk about to where the first car I can see out there is parked in the parking lot. And as I started up the sidewalk, he started down. I was about 16 or so. And he met me halfway. And he said, I understand you're giving your mother problems. (laughs) And me being, you know, the intelligent person I was said, what's that to you? That's the last thing I remember. <laughs> he knocked me cold as a wedge right there. The next thing I remember, he's standing over me pouring water on me. And instead of getting up, I crawled backwards to get out of arm's length because I knew what might come next. And we had a conversation there that, to be honest with you, I never lived up to my part of that I told him I would do. But I say all of that to say that my parents didn't know everything. My parents were not everywhere, but God is. And not only is God everywhere and he knows everything, he's all-powerful. He's omnipotent to deal with it in our lives. And someday, someday, even Christians are going to stand before God for their works at the the bema seat of Christ. It's very important that we realize as Christians, even as Christians, That we can't hide our actions from God and our deeds. Yes, you're forgiven. Yes, heaven is your home and you ought to be thankful for that. If you've put your faith and trust in Christ. But our actions and our works will be judged someday. I want you to notice in closing. It is possible. It is possible For you to be guilty, even though no one saw you commit your sin. Why? Because God's omnipresent. He's omnipotent, and he's omniscient. There's enough subject matter within this text that I could go on forever. But to simplify... What, what Paul is saying in these four verses and the two of, out of last week's text is self-righteousness and religion is being rebutted in these passages. And, and I want you to notice what it comes down to. He says, according to my gospel. It, it's really oversimplifying it. To say that Jews as well as Christians are guilty of self-righteousness, and that outward and actions and deeds and asserting righteousness before God according to our works, but we're all going to be judged according to the gospel. And Christians make this mistake about deeds and actions just as well as, as Jews, and other folks that are considering them self religious and self righteous. I'll give you an example. We make that mistake in reference to baptism or to the Lord's Supper or to church membership. You know, when, when it, it, they're the most common ones, I guess, because what really happens is we think because I've been baptized, you know, you'll hear someone, well, they were baptized. So, baptism's not the standard by which God's going to allow us into heaven someday to spend eternity. Well, they, they took the Lord's Supper. I remember as a kid. My Lutheran brothers would be verse one guilty to tell us that. Well, they, because they do it every service almost. You know Well, they took the Lord's Supper, and we think that that's justification. By our deeds, well, I was—they was a member at such and such their entire life, and yet Paul says here, according to the gospel. So, those under the law look forward to the Messiah, and we under grace look back at what the Messiah did. And we'll see that in other passages that Paul speaks about as we go on through these chapters: baptisms, the Lord's Supper, church membership. Good, right things to do. We encourage everybody that's trusted Christ, you ought to get baptized. Why? Because it's an outward showing of an inward act. And if you haven't done it, get with myself or Michael. We take care of that. Everybody ought to take the Lord's Supper, and we intend to do it during the month of June is, is with, with all precautions. The Lord's Supper is an important thing for you to remember remind you of the blood of Christ that was spilt for your sins. And and church membership, it's a right and good thing. Everybody needs to be in a place where they can be held accountable and where they have community in the time of need. Because everybody needs community. And yet... It's faith believing in the gospel that is accounted to you for righteousness. The blood of Christ being applied is our redemption. The gospel, Paul says, and God will judge self-righteousness and religious people according to the gospel of whether or not they have believed and trusted Christ. Uh, and, and man, don't don't take for granted these children that trust Christ as their Savior. It's such a blessing when something happens to know that they've put their faith and trust in Christ. I read a post by Rick concerning Rick you, concerning Natalie this past week. And he said, I remember when she trusted Christ as her Savior. You want to know what comfort is in a time of loss? That's comfort. That's comfort. Yeah, they may depart from it and they may be out in the world and do some things that folks are not proud of. The enemy may have some gains in their life, but to know that your child has trusted Christ and put their faith in Jesus is a big deal. It's a big deal. And Paul says, we'll be judged according to truth. We'll be judged in our sins according to our deeds. We'll be judged according to the secrets of our heart. But your righteousness is merited based on your acceptance of the gospel of Christ. That's all of that in a nutshell. God will judge religious and self-righteous people for salvation according to the gospel. It is his standard of acceptance. Not ours that matters. Let's stand.